Cancer is indiscriminate. It doesn't care how old you are or if you're a rock star in your prime. Just ask Sam Corbett. Sam is the drummer for the critically acclaimed Canadian rock band The Sheepdogs, and he went 14 years without missing a show. Until he was diagnosed with testicular cancer in the summer of 2018 at the age of 34. I'm Dan Murphy. In this episode of the Don't Change Much podcast, Sam opens up about his diagnosis, the initial fear about whether or not the cancer had spread, as well as dealing with the disease as he and his wife were expecting the birth of their first child. Sam dealt with the cancer head on, and while doing so, was able to not only survive, but thrive, taking his music talents to new heights. Manage your stress, not the other way around. For simple ways to improve your mental health, check out the free MindFit Toolkit from the Canadian Men's Health Foundation. Complete a self-assessment, access virtual counseling, and learn more about how anxiety, stress, or depression might be impacting your health. Go to menshealthfoundation.ca and access the MindFit Toolkit to start improving your mental wellness today. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, let's start with this. Where are you right now, physically? Physically, I'm in Saskatoon right now. Uh, yeah, the sun is shining. It's uh, pretty nice today. Okay, nice. Uh, nice. Is, is the band going to be touring this summer? Yeah, well, last year we released an album as the Sheepdogs, and we played about 90 to 100 shows. Um, so we don't have a new album this summer, so we're playing quite a bit. Um, not quite as much like you know probably have like 40 ish shows maybe this year including one i hear you're in the vancouver area uh keep an eye out for that one we're going to be announcing something soon actually so i'll be coming out your way now is this a canada-wide tour for the sheepdogs or will you be hitting other parts of of north america well uh, a couple uh stops in the states a couple in europe but it's mostly canadian stuff it's more like kind of weekend festivals fly in fly somewhere else that kind of stuff so it's not like uh on the ground touring or anything like that okay we'll get to your album in a bit but first we want to take our listeners back to the summer of 2018 when you had a a life-altering moment uh when you were given uh, a cancer diagnosis yeah so yeah 2018 i was 34 i guess Uh, sheepdogs had then just put out a new album as well and we were in the middle of touring that and my wife was about four or five months pregnant at that time so uh, I had a lot going on in my life and, uh, you know, I was just in the shower. I felt a lump and so I decided to get that checked out and pretty pretty quickly right away they, they thought it was probably testicular cancer. Um, had to go through a couple other, um, you know, tests, I guess, but they basically recommended right away to get surgery. And uh, so I had to cancel a couple of, we, or we had to cancel a couple of sheepdog shows so that I could... Uh, have my surgery in a timely fashion, which was a really big deal at the time. Like we had never, ever canceled a sheepdog show for any reason. So like right away, it started having some pretty, um, you know, big impacts on my life, certainly. Were you able to process the diagnosis right away or did you instantly go into fight mode and, you know, not really think about what it meant? It was tough. Like obviously with my wife being pregnant, the first thing that was on my mind was like, you know, I, you know, I had testicular cancer. Luckily that's a very, uh, has a very high five-year survival rate. And 
but I didn't know if it had spread somewhere else or started somewhere else and spread there. So I, and the answers don't really come very quickly in the beginning stages, right? It takes a long time to, you know, do the proper tests and figure out exactly what's going on. You know, by a long time, I mean, you know, weeks and sometimes months, right? But it feels like a super long time in the moment. So the first thing I started thinking about is like, well, am I going to be alive long enough for my daughter to be born? And, you know, or uh, am I going to be alive long enough for her to remember who I am? You know, it's hard not to go to a pretty dark place, I guess, uh, when you're dealing with something like that. So safe to say you were thinking of others in that moment and not really thinking about yourself? I guess, you know, uh, you know, being becoming a parent definitely changes you in that respect. And I wasn't a parent yet, but... Um, you know, it was definitely on my radar. You know, I, I did think about what it, it meant for me as well. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to cancel those sheepdog shows. And then later on in the in the fall, um, a couple months later, after some tests, it, I found out that it had spread into my lymph node. So I had to undergo radiation therapy. And, you know, I had two options, I guess, actually, at that time. Uh, one was uh, chemo and one was radiation therapy. And a big thing with the chemo is it could have seriously affected my hearing um, going forward, right? And so obviously as a musician, hearing is pretty important, right? So, uh, you know, there were some concerns for myself and my health moving forward uh, right away as well. How scared were you? Um, you know, I once I found it was in the lymph node and it was luckily, um, you know, that's so that's stage two, right? So, you know, obviously right away that's kind of worse than, than stage one and the five-year survival rate goes down a little bit still pretty high with testicular cancer so it's still something to to be pretty positive about when you look at those numbers but you know um uh, you know i was scared i guess um i didn't know what it meant for my life moving forward you know it's you know it really made me kind of reevaluate what i wanted out of life i guess and you know maybe realize how important becoming a parent was and how much i wanted that to be part of my life and the possibility of missing out on that was something that really bummed me out. Sam, uh, how was your support group uh, when you first uh, received the diagnosis? And I guess your wife being uh, the, the main focus, but also your bandmates. It was great. You know, right away I called um, Ewan and Ryan, who are, you know, we're the three original members of the band. Um, I called them and let them know. And right away they were very supportive. Like I said, we had never canceled any shows before. And you know, that's a big decision to make, but obviously they were supportive of me 100% in that decision. And then later in the fall, when I had to do my treatment, I had to miss out on a couple of Sheepdogs tours, which again was a big deal because um, I'm an original member, like I said, and I'd never, there'd never been a Sheepdog show where I hadn't played drums, right? So that's a pretty big deal. Um, and initially I had planned on doing those tours and delaying my treatment. Um, and then I kind of got to the point where I had to give my head a shake and I thought like, what the heck am I doing? I got, <laughs> obviously I have to put my health first, like, and the, you know, music career is a little secondary. And so I changed my mind and they were hundred percent supportive of that. They, they said, it's okay. We can find somebody, we can make it happen. And, you know, we were able to find a couple of really good friends of ours that came in and, and played on those tours. And, um, you know, it was, it was totally fine. Um, but, you know, so they had my back right from the beginning. And my wife, you know, like I said, she was four or five months pregnant. And then by the time I did my treatment, she was like seven or eight months pregnant. And she still, you know, took the time to look after me. You know, after I got back from my first radiation um, session, 
uh, I got home, I started to feel like pretty queasy. They said it wouldn't, um, you know, because I'm getting uh, radiation on my abdomen, right? So they said you can have an upset stomach, but it shouldn't happen until later on in the treatment. But I got home from my first session and I threw up like 10 times, right? So she had to kind of like take care of me and then run back to the clinic to get some medicine for me. And so, you know, she she was very supportive of me during a time when I really probably should have been supporting her and helping her out. <laughs> you both had your own version of morning sickness. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> In a weird way, did you kind of feel like even though you knew pragmatically you had to take care of yourself, did you feel like you were letting them down your band in a weird way? 100%. Like, th I think that's a thing that a lot of people deal with. I think it's a particular thing for men. I don't want to be too stereotypical, but, um, you know, traditionally, obviously men, you know, uh, like their work is very important to, you know, provide money for the family. And, you know, my I know my wife works and you know makes enough money so it's you know logistically it doesn't make sense but there's something maybe emotionally about it where you feel like i can't leave my work i have to do that and put my life on the back burner and uh or you know my health i guess or my well-being so you know um i think that's like a bit of a stigma that um i'm hopefully trying to fight against and and spread the word that your health really does have to come first um especially over something like a career. How long did it take for you to have that headspace? Uh, well, I don't know if I'm still, all, <laughs> if I'm all the way there now even. Yeah, we'll see what happens, I guess, if I have another uh, uh, Ill, illness. You know, I, it's, it's one thing to know it intellectually and another thing to really kind of feel it emotionally. And uh, the, you know, emotional part of it is something I still struggle with, but I guess I'm work in progress, just like everybody else. So you, you get this incredibly difficult news, um, you have to go right away into treating it um, and you put your career on hold in one aspect, but really an, an, a new portion of your career kind of was born out of this. Um, so speak to us just on how um, you were able to grow as a musician uh, on an individual level as you were going through this very difficult time. Right. So while I was doing my treatment, um, another one of the symptoms is that you uh, become very fatigued. So the rest of the band was out playing and I thought, well, I want to play too. So I would go and try and play the drums, but I'd play for about 15 minutes and I'd have to have like a two hour nap. Um, so I tried to find something that was a little bit, uh, less intense, I guess. And I, so I started playing the piano, which, um, I'd played as a kid, but not, you know, very seriously as an adult. Um, I started playing some songs that I knew and it kind of morphed into writing some chord changes and melodies and I didn't really know what that was. And it wasn't really until a couple of months later when I was back on tour with the Sheepdogs and I started writing some lyrics to those songs that I realized that they were really about my cancer diagnosis and treatment. Um, so it's not like I really set out to write an album about my, you know, process, but, um, it just kind of happened like that. Did it begin kind of when you started playing piano? Was that just because you wanted to stay connected to music or was it therapeutic, do you think? Uh, I think it was initially just to kind of um, maintain my connection to music, like you said. And it's interesting, you know, the way I was writing the songs, like I was coming up with the music part first and the lyrics came later. But, um, you know, when I was out writing chord changes on the piano I would kind of just sing something along as a little placeholder um, and then oftentimes that lyric kind of end up, end up oftentimes that lyric 
took on new meaning when I really thought about it. It was like, you know, coming from someplace in my subconscious, I guess, and it actually made sense in the context of my cancer diagnosis and treatment. And then when I kind of wrote the lyrics in full, it really did help me process what I was going through, um, you know, maybe in the same way that talking to a good friend or family member about it would, um, you know. So I, I thought that was pretty interesting, I, you know, um, the effect that, you know, writing something down or, or you know, um, creating some art about what's going on in your life. Um, I never really had that experience of, like that therapeutic experience that you talked about uh, personally, but I, I really did find it to be the case for in this instance. What's the timeline then? So the radiation was about four months after the initial diagnosis. That's when you started playing the piano, and then the lyrics came how much how much later? Yeah, so yeah, radiation was um, in October of 2018. My daughter was born December 2018, and then we went on this long tour uh, kind of in February, March, April and May of 2019 and it was kind of at that time that I you know found myself with some a little bit of extra time on the road and was writing those lyrics and it wasn't until I wrote those lyrics I kind of realized like I may I may have something that I actually want to record and release um, you know I've been in the Sheepdogs for almost 20 years now um, but I'm not the songwriter in that band our lead singer Ewan writes almost all the songs and so I'd always kind of had this dream to write and record my own music, but I'd never really had a good enough reason, I guess, or I didn't think I had strong enough material. And, you know, certainly having a life-altering event like having cancer will, you know, give you a kick in the butt to, you know, turn something like that into a reality. So, yeah, I kind of had the songs written in by the end of 2019, certainly, and then uh, started recording them in 2020. Obviously, pandemic happens, uh, you know. <laughs> and then the Sheepdogs got busy with, you know, we released a couple albums, got to go on tour, trying to make some vinyl, and that takes like six to 12 months nowadays. So, you know, it's a, definitely a long process. It's kind of, you know, it, it, it feels like a long time ago when I was first diagnosed, but, you know, that was 2018. It, I hope if I ever put out another album, it doesn't take me five years. Let me put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get to just the residual effects of, of how you're feeling physically. But uh, once you first realized that some of your lyrics were about your journey uh, and you might have something here, then did the songwriting process go from there where you're like, I want to speak more about what's happened to myself or did that just come naturally? I enjoyed talking about what had happened to me. Like, I, I do think it's important to get your thoughts off the hamster wheel in your head and get them out into the world. So I did find that pretty um, therapeutic. And I also thought it was good to talk about what had happened and, and raise awareness, right? Like for me personally, when I first felt a lump, uh, testicular cancer was on my radar because my grandpa had it. Um, incidentally, he had it in... He, I think he was in his 40s, and it was the 1950s, and he lived to, in, uh, I think he was 93 when he passed away, so that was certainly encouraging. But anyway, so it was on my radar, and so I'm just kind of hoping that if I talk about it openly, maybe somebody else who's listening to this podcast who's in their 20s and 30, or 30s, you know, if they feel a lump in the shower, they might think, oh, hey, that guy from the Sheepdogs had it. Maybe I should get this checked out. And were you, right off the bat, were you open to sharing your message? Were you comfortable with that right from the get-go? 
No, not at all, actually. Um, you know, initially, when we, when we first canceled the shows, um, we just said it was a personal matter. We didn't really talk about what was happening. But when we had to find a replacement for me for, you know, I think it was about 25 shows, you know, we had to announce something. We didn't want people to think that I had, like, quit the band or you know, whatever had happened to me. We wanted to tell people what was going on. But I felt very uncomfortable talking about uh, having testicular cancer. I guess I found it just kind of embarrassing, right? Or I didn't want people to be thinking about, you know, that part of my body, right? It's, you know, just seemed kind of silly, I guess, or something. So we just announced that I had cancer and was undergoing treatment for that. And I think that kind of um, backfired a bit or, you know, it had an effect that I didn't intend because I think people thought that maybe I had, you know, uh, lung cancer or, you know, uh, pancreatic cancer or something much more serious when, in fact, I had a very treatable kind and I was feeling, you know, relatively positive about it. So I think I just made people a lot more worried than they needed to be. And that was all just kind of due to my um, embarrassment. And I do think talking about having testicular cancer specifically, you know, uh, hopefully removes a bit of the stigma from it and it gets people talking about it and more likely to get something checked out if they feel something. What was the feedback like? Did you have people reach out to you and thanking you for for your message? Yeah, for sure. You know, I've uh, had some people who had testicular cancer and, um, you know, uh, some people who just think it's, who didn't have it, but thought it was a good thing for me to be talking about it. You know, the, the biggest, um, I guess, reach out that I got in the whole process was, um, our uh, original lead guitarist, Liet, who was in the band until 2014, um, he sent me a really nice message uh, when it was first announced that I had cancer. And it's something that I really cherish, that message from him. And it kind of brought us closer together. You know, he hadn't been in the band for a couple of years, so we, you know, we weren't as close. And um, that reconnection, you know, made me realize that I wanted to have him play on my album and uh, he did. He did a great job, and it turns out that he actually had testicular cancer as well, um, and that kind of prompted him to write and record a solo album of his own. So it's really kind of amazing to me that um, you know this uh, disease kind of brought us closer together and kind of like reignited our friendship. And interestingly enough, um, he put out his album like a week before mine. And next week, uh, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but in, on May 26, we're going to play uh, like a double album release party in Saskatoon. So uh, I think it's pretty cool that that's, you know, this something really positive came out of this negative thing that happened to both of us. Okay, well, let's talk about your, your album. Um, you said that when you had written a couple of the songs, you said, okay, maybe I have something here. Uh, you know, where did it go from where? When did you finally say, okay, maybe I have something here too. I definitely have something here and I am now getting a chance to uh, write and record uh, my own album. Yeah, so I, you know, I took the songs, I made some kind of demos in my room where I played all the instruments. Like I mostly played drums and a little bit of keys, but I would very poorly play the guitar and like the saxophone and stuff. <laughs> and so I just kind of showed them to, I got uh, Jim, who was, uh, Jim Boskill, who was the lead guitarist in the Sheepdogs at the time, uh, who now plays with Blue Rodeo. Um, and my friend Chris Mason from the Deep Dark Woods, or formerly of the Deep Dark Woods, I showed them to them and asked if they would be interested in playing on the album. They both responded very positively, so that made me feel like I, I really had something. And 
you know, the recording process was interesting. I started recording and then, you know, at the end of my week in the studio was basically when the whole world shut down in 2020, March 2020 for the pandemic. And I had a lot of overdubs to do and I basically took the course of like a year to finish up, which is okay because, you know, you get a lot of time to think about it and, you know, think of new parts and stuff. And, you know, so there's a lot of different songs on the album. Uh, some are very directly related to my cancer experience. Like one is about the idea of me not being around when my uh, daughters grow older. Um, you know, I have one song that's like a five-part medley that kind of roughly covers the the five stages of, you know, grief. You know, or in my case, you know, finding out about my diagnosis you know, kind of starts with a, you know, a song that's like about shock and disbelief, anger, that type of thing. And it ends in a place of, you know, more acceptance, I guess, and looking forward and wondering what the, the future might bring. And then there's, there's other songs that are kind of like, I guess, more indirectly related to my experience. Like, um, you know, I've made a lot of lifestyle changes since my diagnosis and treatment, uh, one of which is uh, I've gotten pretty into meditating, and one of the songs is like about that, I guess. So it's it's had a lot of different effects on my life, and, and certainly that manifested in a lot of different types of songs on the album. Well, talk about the lifestyle changes. Uh, in addition to the meditation, has there been uh, any other exercise, uh, nutrition, uh, diet? Yeah. All, all the above, uh, you know, um, you know, the traditional rocks, rock and I was going to say rock star. I don't really consider myself a rock star. <laughs> uh, the tradi- traditional rock and roll lifestyle is uh, not a healthy one, obviously. Um, and that's definitely been a part of my life for sure. Uh, I was already kind of leaning towards, you know, being a little bit more healthy, you know, what with um, having a kid on the way and that kind of stuff, but it's something I've just leaned a lot more heavily into. Um, and you know, so meditation is a big part of that. Um, you know, diet, exercise, that, that kind of stuff. Um, I was already kind of interested in, but became a lot more interested in. I've definitely, um, you know, this might not be right for everybody, but for me personally, I've definitely cut back on my drinking a lot and, it's actually interesting. There's a lot of great um, non-alcoholic beers these days, especially compared to, you know, five or 10 years ago. So I'll often, you know, just drink those instead. You know, I'll, we'll get those on the rider and, you know, I'll have uh, one or two before the show and one during the show and then one after the show. And I don't know, I kind of feel like I'm having a beer still, I guess. <laughs> you know, I still get to have the excitement of the show and I'll often like go out with everybody else to the bar and, and just order non-alcohol beers although i must say they're sometimes as expensive or even more expensive than regular (laughs) beers which is a bit of a you know piss off i guess Uh, a a really big thing for me though the biggest change that's happened for me and uh this is kind of since my daughters are born and since i finished my treatment stuff is really focusing on my sleep um i kind of realized that i'd gone a long time with not getting enough sleep um you know, and I, th- I think that really health affects your health in a lot of ways. I guess that's sort of what studies are showing. I, I read somewhere that, um, or maybe I heard it on a, a podcast that, you know, if you get like four or less hours of sleep, um, there's a certain type of, I don't know if it's a red blood cell or some something in your body that fight can- fights cancer. If you get four hours of sleep or less, the next day you have half the amount of that 
sell or whatever it is. And as soon as I read that, I, you know, it was like a, you know, a shot, yeah, a light bulb or a shot to the heart where I was like, wow, this, because I spent years and years where, you know, um, I would just not get enough sleep. And some of that was, you know, due to whatever, staying up late and partying. But some of it was just due to the sheepdog schedule is, you know, you often play a show, go back to the hotel, and then you got to be at the airport at like 5.30 in the morning the next day to um, get to the next show, right? So that's something that's been a really, really big priority for me. And I know it's a huge difference when I, I do really focus on my sleep. And so I, I think that would be the, the biggest change for me. Have your uh, bandmates been receptive to it? Have they uh, have they taken on any of that themselves? No, I might get a little bit of a side eye. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, it doesn't super affect them. Like uh, I maybe like you know drink decaf instead of caffeinated coffee. And, like I'm having these non-alcoholic beers instead of alcoholic beers. You know, I have like those uh, blue light blocking glasses that I'll often wear on the bus late at night. But I like to think I still, you know, I'm not turning in at, you know, 9.30 when I'm on the road. I'm, it's, like, it's like a mix, I guess. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, the name of the album? It's just self-titled, New Tana, yeah. That's, that's the suburb from where you're... Yeah, so I, I kind of always knew that I wanted to use a pseudonym for this project. Um, I remember reading that, like, Dallas Green from City and Color, he just didn't like the idea of his name being, like, on a T-shirt, I guess. I don't sell t-shirts uh, for my album, but if I did, I, I can kind of get with the, I sympathize with that uh, sentiment. And yeah, it just kind of made sense. I really, so Nutana is the neighborhood I grew up in, in Saskatoon, but it's like a unique word to Saskatoon. I don't think there's Nutanas in other cities around the country, at least as far as I know. Um, so I thought maybe it had like a bit of mystery to it. And I just kind of liked the way the word sounded and looked when it was written out. So it seemed as good as anything. Before your diagnosis, did you did you have it in your head that you wanted to do a solo album at some point? And do you think it ever would have happened without the diagnosis? I had always had the idea, and I don't know. I would maybe give it like a thirty percent chance of happening if I had never um, if I had never had the diagnosis. Like it's definitely something I always wanted to do, and I just kept thinking of excuses why it didn't need to happen. Um, you know, like I, a couple of the songs on the album I had written before that one time period. In fact, the one song, You Belong, is the first song on the album and like the first song I released to the public. I wrote that song about five years ago in May of 2018. And I I was um, looking it up once I released the album. Uh, I'd actually, So I found the old voice memo on my phone of when I first came up with the idea. And it was like three weeks before I first... Um, you know, got my diagnosis. So it's interesting, at least for me, to think about how uh, I wrote that song when it was, you know, the cancer was like in my body, but I didn't know about it yet. Mm-hmm. So, well, well, certainly the content likely wouldn't have been, well, certainly not as personal. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I mean, when you, when you talked about the song you wrote for your your daughters by your side mm-hmm. um, about maybe not being around, so I'm going to guess that the content is. F- it's hard to say because we don't know what album you would have wrote, but mm-hmm. it's probably more meaningful, more personal than perhaps it would have been without the diagnosis. Big time. Like, it's interesting. A lot of the songwriting I like um, is super personal, right? Like something like 
John Lennon writes very personal songs, like he almost exclusively writes about himself is what he would say. But people really find that very universal in a way. Like, you know, it's you'd think that if you're writing very personal stuff in a way, you'd think that would only appeal to you. But it seems like it's almost the opposite, right? It, it really has like, you know, other people can find a part of themselves in it, you know, certainly has worked out for him. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't have quite the same audience, it's but, <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know, a lot of the songwriting I like also can be a little bit on the vague side, like lyrically, like something like Steely Dan or David Bowie, um, is not super on the nose. So I, I kind of tried to write the lyrics a little bit like that. And, you know, I definitely have meanings attached to all the songs of what they mean to me, but if someone else was to ever find a different meaning in them, I would love that, and I, I would think that was really great as well. Now, will you be able to... You, you said there's going to be a double album release party mm-hmm. um, now, and you have 40 or 50 shows with the Sheepdogs coming up as well. Will you be able to play your music on, on you know, more than a couple occasions? Will the Sheepdogs... Will you be able to play some of your songs on their shows? How are you going to get it out there, uh, aside from just releasing the album? Yeah, so I'm working on doing a couple other shows. Um, I have a couple possibly in the works in southern Ontario. Um, that They're a little bit TBD. It's really hard to work around the Sheepdog schedule, <laughs> you know. And I that's fine because I know that's like my main bread and butter and uh, that's what pays the bills. Um, as far as like, you know, songs in a Sheepdog set, we have... A number of solo albums that have spun off from the Sheepdogs, like Ewan uh, has released a solo album, Seamus released a solo album just about a month before mine. The two of them also have bros um, together. Uh, Ricky, our new guitarist, had a solo career before he joined the band. And so far, none of those songs have made it into the Sheepdogs set, but you know, that's not saying that that will never happen. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> so far, not yet. But, you know, we're trying to work on something where we can have our albums available for all those solo projects at Sheepdog's shows. Um, so people can, you know, go to a Sheepdog show and purchase my album. They can go to my website, which is uh, NutanaBand.com, and uh, there's a link to order the album there or just listen to it on whatever streaming service you use. So, um, you know. People can still check it out, but I won't be doing a cross-country tour as Nutana anytime soon, I don't think. You know, like I said, if I'm already playing 90 to 100 shows with the Sheepdogs in a year, it's hard to fit in a lot of um, Nutana shows, especially with two young daughters running around when I'm at home. So, And physically, yeah, how do you feel now? I feel good. Um, you know, so it's been about five years, um, and... The, the worst I felt was during my radiation. Uh, it's kind of like a bit of a cumulative effect. Like you're, you get, in my case, I got about 15, I think, sessions. And then you actually end up feeling a lot worse like the month after you got them as opposed to the month when you're getting them. And uh, luckily we didn't have any sheep tug shows then. But by the time we were playing again, I, I felt pretty good. I felt like I was back up to strength. And, you know, I feel pretty good now. Um, you know, knock on wood, five years clear from cancer and... I do think that uh, a lot of the lifestyle changes I talked about have have helped me feel, you know, about as healthy as I've ever felt. Although I would say that despite getting all this sleep, I do still feel tired because, like I said, I have a four and a two year old running around in my life when I'm at home. So. <laughs> no one's gonna, you know, wish for a cancer diagnosis, obviously, or a life moment like that. But you've already mentioned how it probably made you a better musician, or more creative. What about as a husband, as a father? Uh, how did how has 
how has it impacted that? Yeah, I think it's it's funny. Like you said, like you said, it's um, not exactly like a positive thing. But as long as I continue to live a cancer-free life, I, I do kind of see it as a bit of a positive. It's given me a lot of life perspective and kind of made me reorganize my priorities. Sorry, it's kind of made me reorganize my priorities. Um, you know, it made me realize how important family is to me, and and at the same time, how much I love and enjoy playing music as my living. So. And it makes you feel more fortunate, I guess. Um, so I think that attitude adjustment can definitely affect the way I am as a you know a father, husband, bandmate, friend. Um, but I also have to say that I, I do think the lifestyle changes, particularly getting more sleep and, and meditating, that really kind of changes your disposition. At least it has for me. Um, I just feel like a lot more patient, I guess. Maybe that's because I have kids. But... Um, you know, and that really helps me navigate my relationships with, um, you know, the people in my life, but also kind of total strangers as well. You know, maybe I'm a little bit more patient when we're checking into a hotel or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I hope I am. <laughs> you knew your family history. So what would you say to guys that are listening to this that are 20, in their 20s, in their 30s, maybe in their 40s, um, about knowing family history uh, and what message just about being proactive uh, in, you know, taking care of yourself physically. Yeah. um, You know, it really doesn't hurt to get something checked out. Like since I had testicular cancer um, a couple years ago, there was another time where I thought I felt something a little unusual and I thought, well, I got to get this checked out and I went and it was nothing and that was it. So, you know, it's really not very hard to go get yourself checked out. Um, uh, so there's really no downside to doing it. It's really only upside either. It's nothing or you, you know, are early to the table as far as getting your treatment options and stuff. Um, yeah, so that that's very important. Like you said, family history is, for, in my case, was very important because that made me a lot more likely to get my uh, myself checked out. Yeah, I don't know. Put your health first because everything else is going to go. If you don't put your health as a top priority, um, everything else is going to go away, right? Like I wouldn't have a music career if I wasn't a healthy, you know, individual and able to play these, you know, two hour sheepdog shows on the drums, right? Like, uh, you know, so that's why I have to make health priority for myself. Mm-hmm. And this leads into the, the name of the podcast is don't change much. So what does don't change much for you mean personally? Well, I mentioned that one song, um, on the album that's kind of like a medley um and the last song kind of ends up in a bit of like acceptance and but it's it's sort of like um the the question this song keeps answering is like do you feel like you felt before or are you like someone else and you know I, it's something i've thought a lot about and you know i am the same person but making some small changes or having this thing happen to me like has you know it's like a bird that's you know flying through the air if they make a very slight adjustment to their wing it totally changes their course of where they go that's kind of how i think about it i guess um so you don't don't change much like you don't necessarily have to change that much to have you know a effect on your life and you know maybe it doesn't feel like it after a week but i think it probably would after five years well we are uh 
happy you're sharing your message. We're happy you got your album out, uh, regardless of how it came about. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we wish you uh, all the best uh, touring with the Sheepdogs and maybe uh, touring uh, by yourself sometime down the road. Uh, and uh, we can only say that sharing the story is going to help more people out there uh, without question. I hope so, yeah. If it helped like one person, that would be enough for me to, to talk about it for sure. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for being on. Thank you so much for listening. Please visit menshealthfoundation.ca to find out more information on testicular cancer, including how to self-test, resources, and articles. And if you haven't already, click the follow button to join us every month for a new episode of the Don't Change Much podcast.